Hey friends, good to be with you at the Wilmington Bible College to talk about Romans. And very blessed to have you as our student and we're expecting God to speak to us this semester. And my name is Pastor Jason Moore and my portion of this class will be online. Uh, Dan Healy will be proctoring the class and doing uh, every other class. So he will be the live uh, instructor and I will be the online instructor. So uh, very blessed to just be uh, just an encourager of the work in Wilmington. We love Pastor Carl, Brian, and each one up there, Gian, and just excited about you as the student growing in your faith, uh, growing in your Bible education. Uh, an education that's from above. So the book of Romans is what we're going to tackle, the first half of it anyway. We're going to um, spend some time uh, really uh, in the first seven chapters. So, um, and then the following semester we will uh, finish the book. So let's just look at our syllabus for a minute. You can see uh, tonight is Romans chapter 1. We'll be covering the first 15 verses. And uh, then Dan Healy will be doing the next class and so on. We'll be piggybacking back and forth. Now, I want to show you about the homework. Um, the homework, uh, one thing that means a lot to me uh, is that you would read the material. So every class, uh, I would ask that you would review the chapter that we're in and read the next chapter for the following week. So for instance, if we're in Romans chapter one, that you would read the whole chapter and be familiar with that and have that in your meditation. And then the following uh, third class, for instance, you'd be reading Revel uh, Romans chapter two, okay, and so on and so forth. So you can see there the word essay. Now, in the second class is when we'll be issuing the homework, not receiving it. So when you see that in your syllabus, that is the issue date. That's the date where we'll be saying, please type three paragraphs on the content of class in your own words, okay? And then we see that the fourth class will be issuing the quiz, okay? The quiz, and then we'll be receiving them in the next classes, okay? So let me just review that again. So class one, no homework. Class two will be issuing an essay. Class three will be receiving that issue, that essay and issuing a quiz. Class four will be receiving that quiz and so on and so forth, okay? So uh, what's important is these quizzes do represent 25% of your grade as well as the homeworks. Uh, you'll have take-home quizzes, you'll have essays to take home, and I do stress that we will need them typed, and you can email them, uh, and the email addresses is on the syllabus. There'll be reading assignments, like I just said, that'll require 25% of your grade, and the final exam, which will be 25% um, of your grade, okay? All right, well, let's pray together, and uh, Precious Father, thank you that we can open your precious scriptures, that we can seek your face, that we can seek your heart, that we can learn, 
and be students of the Bible. We pray today that you'd bless our students, bless this decision to learn the Word of God, to focus and be trained. And we ask that you would uh, bless their schedules and keep them in a place where nothing interrupts their, their training and their learning of the gospel. Thank you, Lord, for the Wilmington Bible College. Thank you, God, for the light uh, in, the, in the wilderness and the voice that's crying out, prepare you the way of the Lord. Thank you, Lord. Uh, thank you. And bless these words today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay. We're going to look at Romans chapter 1. And uh, I love this book because uh, there is a, there is, a, actually, let me just say this right at the get-go. Romans and Galatians are like brother and sister, if we could say. We know that the Ro Romans was written to the Romans, and they were new believers, and they were building confidence in the authority of Christ and the gospel. Okay, Galatians was written uh, to believers that had fallen away and gotten familiar with the gospel, and now they are leaving the premise of the Spirit, and they're entering into a platform of works. Okay, We're teaching the book of Galatians in Elkton, and it's such an important a book to understand that the grace, the gospel of grace, is the gospel. Okay, so Romans, Romans is to new believers. It's to folks that are new to the faith, building confidence. So, it's uh, we understand the place of where it's being taught is in Corinth in about AD fifty-seven, and the author is Paul. So, and Paul. His whole theme for the, through the whole book of Romans is understanding the gospel. Understanding the gospel. So we can see by way of review that chapters 1 through 3, we see that it's the, uh, the um, problems of unrighteousness and sin. So what's the gospel's mindset and what is the message to in that particular season of, of unrighteousness and sin. Romans 4 through 5 is the provisions of righteousness. It's the provisions of righteousness. And it focuses in chapter 4 and 5 about salvation. Uh, chapter 6 through 8 is the pursuit of righteousness, where God is leading us in progressive sanctification, where we're being conformed to the image of Christ. And just by way of finishing the book, nine, chapters 9 through 11, it's the program of righteousness, where God is showing us that we are selected, and that uh, this is, again, God's mission in righteousness through 9 through 11. And then chapter 12 through 16 is our service, living out the gospel. All right, so when we look at the book of Romans, it's very practical. It's very doctrinal, okay? The first 11 chapters of Romans is very doctrinal. So Paul is building the foundation so that people will grow in the confidence of the authority of who Jesus is and his message. 
the chapter 12 through 16 is all about living out the gospel. And we will cover that later at another time. So let's, let's just consider Romans chapter 1 today. So again, Romans, the gospel in the first 17 verses is introduced. It's introduced to the unbeliever and to the believer, but specifically for the unbeliever. Now, now let's just uh, go through a couple verses here, and I'm excited about the book of Romans because um, it's a book that really uh, demonstrates the gospel of grace, and it also uh, clarifies the righteousness of God and the gift of righteousness and the nature of righteousness. Okay, God's rightness, who God is and what he is doing and why he is doing it. So Romans is a foundational book. Uh, I think every believer needs to study the book of Romans because without a firm foundation, uh, our message uh, changes. Uh, we are ignorant or arrogant. We, we live in a spiritual ignorance where we don't know God's mind, therefore we're making it up as we go. Or we're arrogant, spiritually arrogant, where we reinterpret God's mind and, and into our terms. And we just say, oh, you know, we just are going to do it our way. We're going to help God and, and do it our way. And this is where religion has made such a mess because people don't don't take God at his word, don't take scripture at his word, and um, because scripture interprets scripture, okay? So Romans is a very valuable start. Now, maybe you've been a believer for a while. Romans is still a foundational book that we could read many times and learn from it, okay? So this is an incredible book to unpack. So let's look at Romans chapter 1. Now I'm going to be covering the first 15 verses in the chapter uh, in class 1 and the remaining will be done in class 2 by Dan, Daniel Had, uh, Healy. Daniel Healy. And I just want to say this. Uh, ask Daniel questions or um, he's going to be proctoring the class. He'll be doing a discussion after each class just to make sure that you are catching the content. Okay. And of course, I am available as well, and uh, I can be reached and do uh, online wraps. But I wanted you to have a physical person that is capable in clarifying any misunderstandings, okay? All right, so it opens up with Paul, a bondservant of Jesus Christ, called to be a disciple, separated to the gospel of God. Now, it starts right at the gate where it's he is separated unto God and he is separated unto the gospel. He is what's called in the Greek kletoi, K-L-E-T-O-I. He comes from the word ecclesia, which means to be called out unto someone. Okay, So Paul is saying right out of the get-go that my authority and my uh, credibility here is based in this, Jesus. Jesus is the reason 
and the ability that I have to teach and say anything to you Romans. Now, Roman was a, Rome was a huge empire, very powerful, very metropolitan. And, um, and, G, and Paul is saying here that I don't want you to look at me. I don't want you to uh, validate what I'm saying based on myself. You know my history, Paul said. Uh, but I want the center of the gospel and the teachings of Christ to be Christ-centered. Okay? So the gospel. I'm separated unto the gospel. Okay? And we see this verse 2 through 5. And then he begins to describe who Jesus is. But before I, before I go there, the gospel here in this chapter right at the beginning is exalting who Jesus is. Now, this might be obvious, but the more I do this, the more I think it's not obvious because people elevate themselves, they elevate a social gospel, they elevate denominations, they, they elevate their own personal preference. Uh, there is this, this liberal agenda that moves away from the pure gospel into a religious man-centered uh relevant culturally sound uh foundation that misses the heart of god the mission of god and the person of jesus christ now the gospel is jesus plus nothing that's it that's the gospel jesus plus nothing equals everything. Now, I want to really make that clear. I'm writing a book on this because I just am stirred up in my spirit. I was recently on a mission trip talking with some people on the street, and I just started to share the principles of the gospel, who Jesus is, uh, what he has done, why he has done it, the cross life, the resurrection life, the redemption life. And the person who was a believer said, you know, I do not know the gospel, the God of the gospel in your Bible. I don't know that gospel. And I thought to myself, what a tragedy, because religion has hijacked the purity and simplicity of what Jesus has done. And this is why we have so many factions and so many uh, divisions. And I remember even having a conversation this weekend with, a, with someone in my neighborhood. And, and the questions were all based on denomination. What do you believe? What about this interest group? What about the LGBT? The, the, the LGTBQ, the, the whole alphabet soup. How do you, how do you, uh, how does that function into your message? And the whole conversation was uh, defensive for their personal interest. And I just said, after about eight or 10 minutes, I said, hey, can we talk about Jesus? Is, that's the gospel. Let's talk about Jesus. And um, whatever liberal agenda or social or, or political aspect it detracts from the gospel unless I put Christ first. Who is Christ? Well, it's described here in a moment. Well, 
Before I get there, the gospel must be exalted in John 12, 32. Jesus says, if you lift me up, I will draw all men unto myself. If you lift me up, if you lift up an agenda, if you lift up politics, if you lift up social agendas, personal interest groups, if you lift up cultural norms, if you lift up um, the, the whole agenda of man that we're all one and therefore we must love each other and, and have unity one with another with this ecumenical flavor to it, we lose the gospel. The gospel is salvation by grace through faith. The gospel is Jesus plus nothing. Um, we see that the glorious gospel is unmerited favor, the riches of God's grace poured out to the undeserving sinner that could never earn, but could only receive the one thing that would save he or she forever, the gospel. Unconditional love, the gospel. Uh, it's not a sin-centered message. It's not repent and be saved. That's not the gospel. Might sound like the gospel. A lot of people say it is. No, we start with John 6, 29. We believe in Christ. And in Romans 2, 4, he turns us. And then we agree with God and enter into repentance. We never start with repent and be saved. That is not the gospel of God. That was the gospel according to John the Baptist. But but we see the gospel according to Jesus Christ was believe on me whom I have sent. Okay? It might be a technicality in your mind or my mind, but I really believe the unbeliever has no idea how to repent unless they're confronted with the goodness of God that leads them to change in Romans 2, 4. Okay? So our gospel is not man-centered. So man will constantly try to interpret the absolutes. Man will constantly define people in their sin. Man will constantly try to uh, seek the least path of resistance. Man is in a, he will avoid the cross to preserve his own life. And these are all reflections of religion, which is man-centered. Paul is saying, I'm separated to the gospel. I'm not here to please you. I'm not here to be your friend. I'm not here to, uh, to appease you and tell you what you want to hear. I'm here to present Christ and Christ crucified in 1 Corinthians 2 too. So I love that, don't you? So in Matthew 16, 15, we're called to preach the gospel. In 2 Thessalonians 2, 14, we're called to lose our life for the gospel. Romans 1.16 says, we are not ashamed of the gospel. Now you're gonna see through the book of Romans and through the book of Acts for that matter, Paul constantly said, don't be afraid, uh, don't be ashamed of me because I'm in chains. Why? Because the gospel was so much greater than him. 1 Corinthians 15, 2, we are saved by the gospel. Luke 4, 18, we proclaim the gospel. Listen, if our message doesn't bleed Jesus Christ, it's not the gospel. It's not the gospel. So you, someone might say that's irrelevant, or Jesus was a good man and 2,000 years ago, and 
but I don't believe the Bible is true. And people will sidestep so many things. It doesn't even matter. We present a great big Christ based on the Bible, the glorious gospel of grace. And people will say what they say, but absolute truth changes us absolutely. And absolute truth is absolutely true at every point in time. And absolute truth is not situational ethics. It doesn't change when we change, like the weather. It is something constant. It's something permanent. It is something sustainable. It is something that we can trust, okay? The gospel, the gospel, the gospel of grace, the gospel of faith, the gospel, the good news, or the God news evangelisos. It's from the word evangelism. We are speaking the life and good news of Christ. This is why people don't want to come to church or they're hurt by the church because it's it's not the good news. It's some man's news or man's political agenda or man's idea of how we should conform to some religious concept. Now, the good news is all about Christ. And it's got to be so much bigger than us. This is why this class is going to be centered in the gospel. So you, we may say, what about sin? Well, there's good news about sin. There is a place for the sinner to come, agree with God, cast his sin, 1 John 1, 9, onto the Lord, and be restored in fellowship. To turn metanoia, to have a change of mind. There's good news. There's a place to reconcile with God. It's amazing. It's amazing. So, all right, let's look at some verses here. I'm just stirred up about it because I believe so many have missed the gospel. That's why when we open our Bibles, we are looking for Christ in the scripture. You know, um, I love this principle when we study for a message. We don't study to preach a message. You might say, that doesn't make any sense. We, we, have, to, we, have, to have, a, we have to have a three point uh, presentation. And yes, that's all good. That's technique and methodology, but we study to know God and God gives us his message. How many times have we studied the Bible to know God, to learn about God, to meditate, and God gives a fresh word, a living word from his gospel and it's life-changing all right so let me just show you this second corinthians 11 4 we brought this up recently and it's um galatians 1 really goes into it quite clearly <laughs> the first uh eight verses of galatians 1 if you preach another gospel your life will be dedicated to destruction Put that in our pipe and smoke it, if I could say it like that. If my message doesn't bleed Christ, doesn't bleed redemption, doesn't bleed uh, the grace of God, then my message will lead people to a place of destruction, legalism, ignorance, uh, and bondage. I want to be very careful on what my message is representing. Now, that doesn't mean we have to we can live lasciviously. No. Grace, the gospel of grace, it teaches us the aspects of Christ, the way of Christ, and the teachings of his heart that reflect 
righteousness, righteousness, his way. He is the way, the truth, and the life, and he is the door. All right, 2 Corinthians eleven four. it says this. I love this. For if he who comes preaches another Jesus, whom we have not preached, or if you've received a different spirit, which you've not received, or a different gospel, which you have not accepted, then don't put up with it. Very interesting. So, when we're listening to the gospel, is the gospel setting me free? If it's not setting me free by bringing me to Christ, and there's a submission to Christ, a reconciliation to his word, and then we live in Galatians 5, 1, in the liberty and spirit of Christ. But if the message I'm hearing is leading me into bondage, introspection, condemnation, then it's not the gospel. Now, the Holy Spirit bears witness to truth. And yes, when conviction comes into our life, it's based on the love of God and says, listen, this is the way. Walk ye in it. Reconcile in Psalm 2.12 with your adversary, which in that case is the Holy Spirit. Because our flesh is, in a, is in, always in opposition to the truth. So maybe you hear something and you're convicted. That's awesome. That means the Spirit is saying, hey, this is the gospel. Turn to it. Receive it. This is something that's going to bring in healing. Condemnation makes sin the issue. Condemnation makes me the issue. Condemnation makes performance the issue. Condemnation uh, makes works the issue. It's not the gospel. It's not the gospel. The gospel sets us free and conforms us into the image of Christ. Wow. Well, I could just keep, I could keep riding on this because, because we have to guard the sacredness of the gospel. And it is relevant and it is transformational. It is the power that translates people from darkness into light. All right. So he separated, submitted, called to the gospel, and he's a servant of Christ. In 1 John 3.16, he that we understand that he that layeth down his life is showing the greatest demonstration of love. And Paul is saying, I've laid down my life. My life is not my own. My message is not my own. My way is not my own. My, my future is not my own. It's all gospel-centered. It's all Christ-centered. Jesus plus nothing. So, Look what he says here. He brings in the authority of who Christ is. And he, he says this, which he promised be, before through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures concerning his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, who was born of the seed of David according to the flesh and declared to be the son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead through him, through him. Him, we have received grace and apostleship and obedience to the faith among all nations for his name, his name, among whom you also are called of Jesus Christ. Okay, look at these names. He says, Jesus Christ, okay, the anointed one, seed of David. He is referring to the Jewish context. Uh, the son of God, the spirit of holiness resurrected from the dead, the first begotten of the dead. What's he saying? 
my message reflects the character and nature of this Christ. And that's the authority that we have, and this is the authority that we teach, and this is the authority in obedience to faith, because it's all through him, to him, and by him. Mm, this is good. This is why we have such joy in this age of grace. This is why we have a message of good news. Is everyone going to receive this news? Is, is people going to complicate this news? Yes, they are. And no, they're not going to always receive it. But simple faith defeats sophisticated darkness. The simple grace. They say, oh, that's too simple. To receive Christ, believe in him, that's it. It's too simple. I got to do something. Well, Acts 4.12, we understand that the name of God is the one that we receive. And then in receiving him, there is the action and overflow in James 2.20 of our walk of faith. So, yes, we receive him, we grow with hunger, and we reveal him. We express him. <laughs> and I see that in Galatians 1.16 through 18. We, we are, uh, let's read that. What is the purpose of the gospel? Here it is, verse 15. But it pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb and called me through his grace to reveal his son in me that I might preach him among the Gentiles. And I did not immediately confer with flesh and blood. He says this also in James, uh, Jeremiah, excuse me, 1, uh, 5 through 8 called unto God, called unto grace. Uh, I am appointed unto the gospel, the gospel. And it's for one purpose, to reveal his son in me. This is how we know we're growing. This is how we understand that our faith is clear and, and, and accurate, is, is the fruit of the spirit being expressed and are we being developed in Christ? I'm not, you know, I was so angry after a conversation I had, and I mean righteously angry because this new person I met, all he wanted to know was all the, what denomination you are, what do you think about this, and what about that, and he was very combative, and I said, you know what, this is, I said, we've had an eight-minute conversation, and you have judged me six ways from Sunday. I said, I said, and there are people watching us because we were in a crowd, and I just said, you know, let's talk privately about those things, but let's talk about Jesus. Let's talk about the ministry of Jesus. Let's talk about the redemptive nature of who God is. And this guy would not budge. I had to say, you know what? We're going we're gonna to just pick this up another time because um, if we're not going to talk about Jesus, I have nothing to talk about. And that is a great way to deal with carnal Christians or unsaved Pharisees, which I think this person was, uh, we can just be gracious, but our approach can be, listen, uh, if we're going to talk, we're going to talk about the nature and character of God, which is the way of the gospel. Okay. So he's called an apostle. He's called in a servant. He's called a servant. He's called to Jesus Christ. He's called to the saints. He's commissioned to Reach, to open his mouth wide and God fills it in Psalm 80 verse 10. To speak the gospel, our life declares the gospel, to reveal him who is invisible in Hebrews eleven twenty two. 
All right. So these names are beautiful. They really are. We see that they reflect Jesus Christ. The, they are the, the power of the gospel. It's all based in his son, the Lord, the seed of David, declared the son of God, the son of man, and the only begotten of God. So, wow, this is like amazing. This is our message. Our message isn't, uh, you know, work harder, try harder. Uh, hey, listen, you know, you better get, you better get right and straighten up. Or our message isn't, isn't just trying and, you know, be a good Christian, whatever that means. No, our message is Christ and Christ crucified. It is our message is Christ nailing our sin to the cross in Colossians 2. It's Christ and his resurrected nature that gives us a new life and a new, new and living way in Hebrews 10.20 and Ephesians 4.24. Our message is bigger than ourself, bigger than our world, bigger than our problem, and it makes it relevant because it gives us wisdom in a practical way for our natural life. Whew, I'm loving this, loving this, loving this. The gospel. We, we need to be careful not to be so overzealous about what we're against that people don't know what we stand for, that we are eternally secure, that we are sanctified, we are justified, we are soon be glorified because of the work of the cross, the work of the Bible, and the work of God. Okay, so he's sanctifying us. He's setting us apart for himself. And, and this is really the mission that you're going to learn. I'm going to learn our whole life is we are learning him. We are taking up his yoke in, in, in Matthew 11, 28 through 30. So don't you love this? Verse 7, Romans, you are beloved of God and called to be saints. <laughs> Philippians 1, 3 through 6, I thank God for every remembrance of you. See, Paul really has a pastor's heart here. He is declaring the gospel, he's building an identity, and he's clarifying so they have authority and trust in the true nature. Because Judaizers, Pharisees, wrong doctrine, uh, human nature, um, all this is flying around because Satan is constantly trying to pervert the gospel. Constantly, Acts 13. All right, notice what he says. First, I thank God through Jesus Christ, verse 8, for you all that your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. So again, he is he's edifying them. For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his son. There it is again, the gospel of his son. So Paul is saying these are not my words, they're God's words. And you know, he goes on to say in another... Another epistle, he says, thank you for not receiving my words as words of men, but as the words of God. I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his son, that without ceasing I make mention of you in my prayers, always. Again, what a pastor's heart. You know, a pastor's heart, a leader's heart is loving the person in front of them. They're living out the gospel. Yes, they're speaking it, but they're demonstrating the gospel because they are growing. We are always growing and God is always adding and God is always ministering. As he increases, we decrease. Now, he goes on to say this, 10, making, making requests 
By some means now at, least, at last I may find a way in the will of God to come to you, for I long to see you, that I may impart to you some spiritual gift, so that you may be established. I love that. That was his heart. Hebrews 13, 8, to be established in grace. That is that I may be encouraged together with you by the mutual faith, both of you and me. Again, when the body comes together, there is a strengthening. Ephesians 4, 16, every joint supplies, and there is a encouragement, a strengthening. Now, I don't want you to be unaware, brethren, that I often planned to come to you, but was hindered until now that I might have some fruit among you, just as among the other Gentiles. I'm, and notice what he says here. And then, then th what a great perspective. He says, I'm a debtor, okay, both to the Greeks and the barbarians, both to the wise and the unwise. So as much as in me, I am ready to preach the gospel to you who are in Rome also. So you see, you see through the book of Acts, Paul's three missionary journeys, his idea is, I'm a debtor. I must go. I'm constrained by love. I am a prisoner of hope. Now, I, I just want to read this. I am ready. You see those? I'm ready to preach. Do you see those words? I love that verse. I am ready to preach. Now, I think of Psalm 1844, as soon as they heard, they obeyed, speaking of of the believers there, the Bereans, um, we see in Acts 17.11. Let's look at Acts 17.11. So it's tragic. I mean, our nation, our cities, they have abandoned the gospel in so many ways. That's why there's so many legalistic um, denominations or liberal denominations that um, say, hey, we can coexist. You know, the Muslim is a way to God. You know, the Hindu has their way to God. The liberal, you know, Jesus loves everybody and understands the way that I'm made. That's not the gospel. Jesus certainly loves with a righteous love. But his love leads us beyond our sin. His love leads us beyond our destructive nature. Acts 17.11, uh, and by the way, there's a, there's a way to approach people that are, are against maybe or have prejudged you. There's a, you be very kind, very um, compassionate, but we do not have a theology of apology. I'm not going to apologize that we don't have gays and lesbians in our, in our leadership, right? We don't have that because we understand that's not the pattern of biblical ministry. And whatever sin it is, not that we um, hold that one precisely to any nature, except to say, if you, read through, if you read through the qualifications of an overseer, it gives clear instruction that our, our personal life is a reflection of what we believe, and therefore there's qualifications to an overseer. So I, I had this, I had this, I go back to this conversation with this, with this guy. He says, he says, um, you have an archaic faith. You know, you don't, you don't believe in, uh, in progressive uh, th theology. And I said, you know what? Progressive theology is a work of man. 
I said, the Bible is very progressive in the sense where it is uh, very transformational. And by the way, if Jesus is on my terms, then uh, my gospel will be on my terms. So there's no accountability, no real responsibility, but I can live like the devil and deceive others thinking that I'm going to go to heaven one day. Nope. My lifestyle is in direct relationship to my faith. I do and act based on what I believe. So you can, anyone can say whatever they want. We follow scripture. What does the Bible say? What does Jesus say? What does the gospel say? Okay. All right. Acts 17, 11. I love this. Uh, ready to preach, right? These were more fair-minded than those in Thessalonica, in that they received the word with all readiness and, and searched the scriptures daily to find out whether things are so. They were ready. Are you ready? Are you ready? Am I ready? Someone was to ask us what we believe. Do we have the gospel in maybe a few short sentences that is alive, that is clear that is understandable I challenge you uh, like I love to say the gospel is Jesus plus nothing it equals everything Jesus loves you more than anyone on the planet could even understand the gospel will not leave me in the place that I'm in but will lead us into our eternal purpose really challenge you have a couple of statements that declare the goodness of the Bible that declare the goodness and heart of God the gospel the good news the God news of Scripture look at Acts 26 16 and 17 uh, they were ready they were aware they were sober they were trained like you you and I are as effective as our training. We are as effective as our prayer life. Uh, this is why we uh, love sharing our faith. All right, Acts 26, 16 and 17. Uh, this is a good first class. I, I'm happy to be with you. I'm just encouraged with you because if it's not the gospel, it's not the Bible, okay? So you might say, oh, what about the Old Testament? What about... See, there are seven dispensations or seven series of, of, or periods of time where God speaks specifically to, to some with a certain purpose for a certain reason for his purpose, okay? Context, who was he speaking to, for what purpose, and we must identify that. So today, our message is not law-based. We're not lawmen, okay? And this is where the gospel has been divided. Because John 1.14, Jesus came bringing grace, Moses brought the law, and there's a divide. Today, it's uh, based on the person and nature of Christ. And, okay, we're here in Acts, Acts 26, 16 and 17. All right. But rise and stand on your feet, for I have appeared to you for this purpose, to make you a minister and witness of both things that you've seen and of the things which I will reveal to you. 
I will deliver you from the Jewish people as well as from the Gentiles to whom I now send you to open their eyes in order to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and the inheritance among those who are sanctified by faith in me. There's the gospel. There's the gospel. Okay. That is the work and nature of God. Okay. Well, let's look at John 1 for a minute. Let's look at this. John chapter 1. Uh, John chapter 1, in verse 12, we've received him and become the children of God who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, but of the will of man and of God, and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. The glory is the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Verse 16, and of his fullness we have received grace for grace, for the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Now, being in the age of grace, and the next age is kingdom, where we're raptured into the glorious realm of God, this age of grace is a beautiful span of time to proclaim the gospel and to declare salvation, salvation, salvation. Okay. All right. Closing. Second Corinthians eight twelve. What is your message today? Is it Christ centered? Can you justify what you say by the Bible? And when I say that, by the way, we, hermeneutically, we look at the full mention. The full mention is um, the consistent thread of God's mind and the consistent point through the whole Bible. Does it reflect the full thought of God through the whole Bible? So I don't want to pull some obscure verse and say, thus saith the Lord, bam, that's what that is. No, no. I want to see it represented Genesis through Revelations. And we do that. We see the crimson thread of religion, uh, of redemption, <laughs> redemption. So we see that God made a plan. Man shows up. Man messes it up. God then comes, rescues man, reestablishes his plan, and there is an eternal consequence. It's beautiful. All right. Second Corinthians eight twelve, closing here, uh, and feel free to hash through this. Uh, the gospel, the gospel. I'm going to read Galatians 1 with you before I close here, because again, um, again, it's so interesting. The legalists, the Pharisee, the law, man, they will get upset with you. They will say, oh, no, no, no. You need all this 16, uh, 613 laws to, to be justified and accepted by God. Really? The Bible says that Jesus fulfilled the law. Therefore, the center of our faith is Christ. Hmm. I remember telling that to, a, I was in an airport one time. I was telling that to uh, a Jewish man who was in training. And um, we're, there in the, we're there in the line. And I said, you know, I know somebody that's fulfilled the law. And obviously he was a, a Jewish man. He had a beanie in his hat, head and he goes, really? And I go, yeah, Jesus fulfilled the law. And today we follow him. And he, in Hebrews 7, 7, he blesses the superior, blesses the inferior. And this guy became animated and reactionary, and he was upset. 
And we know that Isaiah chapter 53 is a great reference for that. But how conveniently it's not in their Bibles. It's very convenient, isn't it? All right. It's tragic, actually. 2 Corinthians 8, 12. Uh, da, 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 da. Okay, 11. But now you also must complete the doing of it, that as there was readiness to desire it, so also there may be a completion out of it what you have. For if there is first a willing, ready mind, it is accepted according to what one has and not according to what he does not have. Whoa. So let's say I don't have a lot of understanding. I don't have a lot of experience. I don't have a lot of education. Maybe I don't have a lot of resources. God says, if you're ready and willing to receive from me and you receive it in a childlike faith, that is what I'm going to grow. I will give you what you don't have and I will equip you for the call and I will furnish you as the man of God for the ministry. I love this. I read an interesting verse in Proverbs, I believe it's 1816. It says that the gift of God makes room for the man. It's a very interesting verse. The gift of God makes room for the man. It means what God adds to you, he will equip you for the ministry he's called you to. Wow. It's amazing. Well, that's uh, Romans 1, 1 through 15. Uh, we could spend a few years in these verses. Um, the next verse is 16, uh, Romans 16. Immediately he says, I am not ashamed of the gospel. Like I, I can care less what you think about me. I'm not ashamed. You can be ashamed of me. You can hate me. You can rail against me. You can do all these things. But the gospel is my greatest treasure it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. It is the righteousness of God. It's revealed from faith to faith. Well, I'm going to let Dan tackle those verses and, and the, the finishing of Romans 1, because Romans 1 goes into righteousness versus unrighteousness, the gospel versus the, the, the lie of man, the, the righteous. And, and demonstration of the gospel versus the depravity of man. Well, a lot to say here, but I think that's a good place to stop. God bless you. Hope this ministered to you. In Jesus' name, amen.